So, uh, yeah, we're here at Crew again. Welcome back. If this is your first time, so glad you're here. Uh, grab a seat, grab a seat. Yep. Uh, my name is Stuart. I am a senior nursing major here at JMU, and I am the MC. Um, and so, yeah, something fun fact about myself um, I love the dentist. I know, I know it's. Uh, it, so I will say, I don't like bleeding, I don't like being scraped, but the feeling afterwards is just impeccable. And I went to the dentist today, and so I just had to share that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, so stand up. Stand up. Go say hi to someone you don't know. We'll be back in a second. All right, all right, all right. Sit back down, sit back down. <laughs> so now we have an announcement from Anna and Zach. <laughs> Here they are. <laughs> Thank you, Stu. I'm Zach. I'm Anna. And we're your winter conference leaders. We need 10 volunteers. Raise your hand. Who's it going to be? Brad. You three. Both Emma. Of you. Josiah. Rylan. Caleb. Kyle. Yeah, stand over here. Is that your name? Okay. <laughs> Everyone stand over here. <laughs> Same amount of letters. Shoot. Okay, this is good. That's embarrassing. All right, the name of the game is Eye Contact. I need all of you to stand in a circle. 
beautiful. Okay. <laughs> the objective of this game is to be the last one standing. And the way you are the last one standing <laughs> is that Zach here is going to count to three. And on three, you're all going to look up and make eye contact with somebody. If you're not making eye contact with somebody, you're good till the next round. If you are, you have to be the first one to scream before the person you're making eye contact with screams. <laughs> and I'm talking like blood-curdling screams. So we're going to count to three. And if you make eye contact with someone and you don't scream fast enough, you can go back to your seat. And there are prizes at stake, so try hard. Get ready. Are you guys ready? One, two, three. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, yeah. One, two, three. One, two, three. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> Six left. Six remain. One, two, three. Five remain. One, two. Ooh, one, two, three. <laughs> wow. That was a quick one. That was a quick one. He really wants to win something. Are you guys ready? How do you feel? One, two, three. <laughs> that was Chase. Oh, I, no, Chase stays. Yeah, I think, I think Hunter won. Sorry, Hunter. I'm sorry. All right. This is the last one. Maybe. One, two, three. Oh, uh oh. One, two, three. Oh. That was close. What do we think, guys? Chase one. All right. Good job, you guys. Congratulations, guys. We have some prizes for you. Congratulations. Congratulations, guys. Are you guys ready to decide? Awesome. Give it up for our volunteers. They look Congrats, swag. Congrats, guys. Wow. <laughs> Chase, that beanie fits perfect. <laughs> and that is the second reason why Winter Conference is going to be the best part of your winter break. <laughs> the second reason. There's a lot of stuff to do. We're going to have great speakers. We're going to have a bunch of games. They never stop, actually. We play games the entire time. I promise you. And a bunch of places to shop. There's never nothing to do at Winter Conference. <laughs> so come to Winter Conference. Um, if you guys sign up before December 7th, the cost of Winter Conference is $249, which is $60 off the original price. So make sure you start thinking about signing up right now. Um, if money is an issue, no, it's not. You can talk to Donnie after large group about scholarships, which we can provide for you. Come with us to the great state of Baltimore. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Zach and Anna. All right. 
now we get to come before the Lord in uh, singing um, and worshiping him, giving glory to him. So I'm going to invite the band up as I pray them in. Dear Lord, um, we just thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to just come before you, um, humbly knowing that we were sinners, and we still are sinners, um, and you are a holy God, but by grace, um, by your son Jesus, we are able to come before the throne um, fully justified, um, fully knowing that you are our Lord and Savior. We can have a relationship with you again. I pray that for this time that we can just worship you and give all the glory to you. Also pray in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for coming out. Um, would you please stand with us in worship? Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are Ah. Uh-huh. 
Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Spirit lift the flame. Now this gospel truth of all. 
Johnson. Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody? So if you don't know who I am, I'm Donnie, and I'm on staff here with crew, and I'm not your speaker tonight. Uh, I actually wanted to come down and try to explain what's going on tonight because a lot of you guys thought you were coming to a large group, but you have come to some what looks like a job fair with all these like things on your desk, like four or five different things to look at. So crew, we're about three big things about winning. What does that mean? We want to tell people about Jesus and what he did for us. That is what we believe in the win column, right? And then build is we want to build y'all in your faith. We want to teach you about what the word says. And lastly is send. We want to send you out into the world to change it for Christ, to be able to take the gospel wherever you go. So we're in November, and we at Crew like to call this Govember, where we are talking about going, talking about missions. How can you be a light in the world, either during your summers or after break, or even on campus? So one of the things with Govember, as you saw last week, is we had a summer mission video that we shared last week, right, talking about our overseas partnership. That's actually where all of our staff are right now, and that's why I'm up here doing this announcement, because when all the staff are away, I get to be in charge for once, so it's great. Um, but we also have two other people here tonight, so I'll go ahead and invite up Tim and Jesse. So Tim is going to talk about uh, his program, Blue Ridge Fellows, and Jesse's program, the Bonhoeffer House. Um, did I say that right, Bonhoeffer House? Okay, cool. Um, and these are two both post-grad opportunities. So, like, you could do both of these opportunities if you're thinking about as a junior or senior, what am I going to do after college? Um, you know, you could always think of, like, crew, intern, or stint. But also these options are just as good because not everyone here is going to be on crew staff. And we've been saying that for years, right? But I want to go ahead and let them explain a little bit more about who they are and what they do. Donnie, thanks so much. You guys, it's so fun to be with you. Uh, so you might remember, I, I speak here pretty often. I went to school at JMU, was involved with crew, totally changed my life, and I love this place. And I'm so glad that you guys are here being able to be part of it. My wife and I were on staff with crew for 20 years. We left staff uh, to start Blue Ridge Fellows. And one of the things that we just have noticed is that so many students, you're in this incredibly rich, nourishing environment with millions of friends and all the food you can eat and everything's so great. And then you graduate, and boom, it is like a lonely, difficult transition to make. And lots and lots and lots of people don't make the transition very well. We started Blue Ridge Fellows to be a place that you can have this transitional year out of this amazing place that you're learning how to walk with Christ as a student and into a place where you learn to walk with Christ as a professional. And you get the whole point of this is not just four years of amusement, but like 50 years of vibrancy. So the way it, way it works is you move to Roanoke. We give you a free place to live with a family in our church. We help you find a job in your field of study, whatever you're doing. Our specialty is medicine. But we have folks all over the place, all lots of different careers. And then you get loads and loads and loads of really rich development. Our cohorts are five men, five women every year. Be your closest friends. Um, incredibly rich developmental time. It's just a ton of fun. We take seminary classes taught by this guy right here, Jesse. Um, and we do a lot of stuff together in partnership with the Bonhoeffer House. But you've got my number on one of these cards, Blue Ridge Fellows. My name is Tim Henderson. And uh, I would love you to put me in your phone and then send me a note. If you're a senior, our our Early application is deadline is November 30th, which is in like two weeks or something. The last couple of years, we haven't gotten past the early, dedica uh, early deadline. Like the only people who get into the program are the course folks who apply. That may or may not be true this year, but if you're interested, call me. Give me send me a text. I would love to talk to you about it, and applications are due in about two weeks. Um, you would get so much spiritual development in an incredible community. We do tons of cool stuff. International trip. It's just a blast. 
um, I, really, I would love to hear from you guys if you're interested in a great transition year in your career. It's not a gap year. It's like the first year wherever your field is, all right? So this is Jesse. He's fantastic. He doesn't need a mic. I've got a mic. Me. Okay, you can hear me. Thanks, Thanks Tim. Uh, and are you still, are you praying for me? I'll receive the prayer, but first, uh, the Bonhoeffer House. So uh, I also was on staff with crew um, for 10 years with my wife at Radford University and um, loved it. My life was transformed through crew at Radford. As a matter of fact, my wife and I helped start crew, which then transformed my life um, when we were students at Radford. Uh, I left staff with crew in 2013 and started the Bonhoeffer House. And the Bonhoeffer House is named after Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who... Uh, who really gave his life to train leaders, to form leaders who would be, uh, would, would be courageous and would have uh, deep friendships formed in this kind of model of life together. And so we've tried to take that same model and apply it to the local church. We work with local churches so that we can have leaders formed in and for the local church. We have three different regional cohorts. One is in Roanoke, one is in the New River Valley, and one is in Richmond. And in those cohorts, we work with multiple local churches to provide apprenticeships and residencies for uh, men and women who are feeling called to full-time vocational ministry or part-time vocational ministry uh, in, in the church. And so uh, we, love, we love bringing seminary education into the local church and getting men and women connected in deep friendships. We hope that will last for a lifetime uh, because really that's what we want is a lifetime of healthy churches, healthy church leaders and who relate to each other as friends. And so I'm so, so, so happy to be here. Actually, I, um, I did speak at a, a, a JMU fall retreat once. It's been a few years, at least five, I think. So they waited till all of those people graduated and get the taste out of their mouth and invited me back. Um, there are a couple cards. I don't have to put my phone number on them, but there's QR codes. You can scan them. One is to our website that has information about the Bonhoeffer House. We do have an application there. It's, it's rolling, so you can apply at any time. And then one is for our podcast, our world-famous podcast, The Hammer and Quill. Um, and so we'd love to have you tune in. On The Hammer and Quill, we, we have conversations with interesting friends of ours, often about vocation. What does it mean uh, to follow the Lord, to serve the Lord, and whatever God's called you to? And so I'd love to have you tune in. And, and Donnie, I'd love to have you pray for me. Amen. The walk-off prayer. I like that. My name's Jesse. I already introduced that part of me. I, I did. Uh, I grew up in the D.C. area, but I have called Radford home for long enough that that's where I'm from. I'm from Radford. I have a wife named Jenny and four kids. Our kids are, um, hold on, I can do this. <laughs> they're, about to they're about to have birthdays, uh, 13. 12, 11, 10, and 4. I've got a 4-year-old daughter. Uh, I was on staff with crew for 10 years. And uh, I've already mentioned some about the Bonhoeffer House. Actually, Sarah Beth, if you guys know Sarah Beth, I assume you do. Um, I officiated her wedding whenever she got married, however long ago that was. 
And so I know her and Kyle, and I'm and just really thankful to be here with you guys tonight. Sarah Beth asked me to talk about how it is that we can participate with God in his mission. How can we live our lives on mission with God? And so that's what I'm going to talk about. What is God doing in the world through his people? But first, let's just talk about mission in general. All right, mission, what's the mission of crew? Does anybody know? <laughs> what was that? Wind, build, sin, that's good, yeah. Uh, wind, build, and sin, Christ-centered, multiplying disciples. All right, okay, the mission of the Bonhoeffer House is forming future leaders in and for the church. Does anybody know the mission of Google? To organize, it's not to dominate the world. To, to organize the world's information, and make it universally accessible and useful. Hey, they've pretty much accomplished that now. I'm, I'm old enough that I will say things like, do the Google, and that means, like, just look it up. Okay, so uh, they've accomplished their mission. You can do the Google now and figure things out. It's all accessible and useful. You know, there's one famous anecdote. You may have heard this before about mission. 1983, there was a 27-year-old um, uh, Turtleneck-wearing guy named Steve. Yeah, you guys may have heard of him, Steve Jobs. And he was recruiting this guy John Scully to help him build Apple. Steve was inexperienced, and John was very experienced, had a lot of leadership experience in the corporate world. And so, uh, and he, as a matter of fact, he didn't want to ha really do have anything to do with with Steve and his startup company because John was the president of Pepsi. So he's like, listen, I got a good job. Why would I want to leave this job and make computers? And they went back and forth and back and forth and still until Jobs looked at him and said, listen, do you want to spend your whole life making sugar water? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? You want to come with me and help change the world, right? This is the power of a compelling mission is really undeniable. It's undeniable. We want, we want to change the world. We want, well, well I don't know about you. I'm too old and tired to want to change the world anymore, but I do want to do something good. I want to, I want to be caught up in something bigger than myself. Right? What, what mission really is worth your lives? This is the time to ask that question. What will you spend your life on? And I, and I use that word intentionally. What will you spend your life? What will you give your life to? I want to talk tonight about the mission that is truly worth spending your life on, giving your life to, living and even dying for, and that's the mission of God. But what is God's mission? What is God's mission? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to you like this. The mission of God is his activity from the foundation of the world to redeem his people and to restore his broken creation. So if you want to have some hooks to hold on to, it's his mission to redeem and to restore, to redeem his people and restore his creation. He wants, he wants to, he wants to redeem his image bearers and he wants to make them a home that will last forever. This is what God is doing and we get to participate with him in this mission. So tonight I want to tell you two truths about the mission of God. Two truths. The first is that that God's mission is God's. The mission of God 
is his, right? So in other words, it's not like it's all up to us. It's not, it's not as though it is the Christian's mission to somehow do what God can't or won't. The, the mission is God's. Because God is a sending God. He sends. He sends people out. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And I imagine that his disciples had like a, um, you ever have a moment where it feels like your brain is malfunctioning? Does any, has anybody ever, like this, this happened to me recently. I was, um, I was traveling with Michael, a friend of mine who works for the Bonhoeffer house. And we were using his car and I was driving and I was paying for gas. Well, the Bonhoeffer house was paying for the gas, but we stop at a gas station, and uh, we both need to go in th- into the gas station. And so I start pumping the gas, and then just start walking in with him. And, uh, and he goes, are you going to leave the pump? And I was like, I, I had to stop. And it felt like there was a glitch in my brain. Because, yes, I was planning on leaving the pump. So do you guys leave the pump? Do you leave the gas in the pump and then walk away from it? No, <laughs> so I'm the broken one. I get it, okay? So it was a, it was a moment where I was like, I've, yes, I was planning on walking away from your car with the, with the pump going and just trusting the engineers have figured this out and it's going to work because that always has worked for my whole entire life. But when he said, well, you're going to just leave, you're just going to leave the pump, I was like, no. <laughs> that would be stupid. But I internally, I was like, my brain just, I was like, oh, is this a thing? Am I... People don't leave the, you don't leave the car when you pump your gas. That's, that's the right thing to do. I imagine that Jesus' friends have this kind of malfunction when they meet the risen Christ. When they see Jesus and they're like, this is what, so Jesus, when he sees them, and John describes this, he shows them his scars. He shows them his hands and he shows them his side, right? He's like, check this out. You remember that? And they're like, it really is you, Jesus? John says we were glad to see him. And then John records this f- really kind of weird thing that happens in chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus, Jesus gathers them, and Jesus said to them, he does this thing, you know, where he blesses them. He says, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then he did something very strange when he said this, he breathed on them. <laughs> it's just a weird thing to do, right? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so what he's, he's, he's showing this pattern. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you, and I'm going to send my Spirit to go with you so that you're not going alone. God is ascending God. The risen Jesus is demonstrating this consistent pattern as you read the Bible. And you work your way from the beginning to the end, you'll see over and over and over again that God sends. He sends Adam and Eve to spread the garden goodness all over the earth. He sends Noah to build an ark and to save eight people. He sends Joseph to Egypt to save thousands and thousands of lives. He sends Moses to deliver his people. He sends the prophets to deliver a message. He sends Jesus to seek and to save the lost. He sends us to participate with him in his mission. He is ascending God. He is on mission, and his, he sends us to participate with him. There are, do you know, let me tell you about where God is sending people right now. 
There are around 12,000 people groups in the world. That includes whatever you are, whatever we are. And so all people groups is about 12,000. That's somewhere around 8 billion people. There are around 7,000 of them that are unreached. That means there's no indigenous kind of church. There's no, there's no activity from within that people group to sort of spread the gospel and plant churches from within. And there's less than about 2% uh, evangelical Christians within those people groups. That's 7,000. That's 4.7 billion people, more than half the globe, who are unreached. Then within that group, there's around 270 million, which is about 3,000 unreached and unengaged people groups. This means there's no effort at all. From the outside, from in, there's no effort to reach them. 3,000 3, unreached and unengaged people groups. We can be, God is sending people. He's calling who will go to these people to bring the gospel to them. But you don't have to go to unreached peoples because uh, in our own backyard, it's, we're seeing trends that are, are uh, less and less Christian around us, right? Pew uh, Research has, is tracking this trend that from 1972, to 2022, that's 50 years, the, you know, the, the, the peop people who will say that they are Christian in America has declined from 90% to 64% this year. And they're, they're tracking this trend and saying it will very likely drop in the next 50 years below 50%, below half of our nation. And I know anecdotally in my own backyard in small town Radford, I meet people all the time who, who, who are not just non-Christian, but who just have never even heard about Jesus. But God, when he saves us, God, to be saved is to be sent. So there's no, there's no other way to be with God. God saves us, and when he saves us, by grace, through faith in Christ alone, we're, we are sent into his mission. Because God is a sending God. But God also is an empowering God. He's an have, you ever, have you ever been given a, a mission that you didn't have the tools for? I remember when I was working my way through college, I uh, was doing some carpentry work. And I remember when, and typically, like, if, if it was like, here, hold this while I nail it, I could do it. But, but the, the first time that my boss said, here's what I want you to do, frame up that wall over there and put it in, then frame that wall up. And I was like, you got it, boss. And then when he walked away, I had to... I was like, I don't know any of those words. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the tools to complete the mission that he's entrusted to me. And so, um, so I did a bad job. But that's not, that's not what we're here to talk about. Because God doesn't do that. Right? When God, God is a sending God, but God is also an empowering God, so that when God sends you into his mission, he also, he also empowers. He's a better boss than my boss. He empowers us to join him. Right, consider the Great Commission. Jesus says to his, his followers, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? Therefore, go, it's November. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. You see, you get this picture of 
Jesus is saying, the Father has sent me. I am sending you. You have my Holy Spirit. I am with you always. And I have all the authority in heaven and on earth. And so he is ascending God, but he doesn't send us alone. He empowers us as he sends us with his own spirit. We are caught up in this, in this mission. We get to participate with him. And we know that he's all-powerful because he knows the, the beginning from the end. He knows the end from the beginning, right? Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. He sends, he he sends, he empowers those that he sends, and he will draw all nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation to himself. See, God is a sending God. God is an empowering God, but God is also a homemaking God. Okay, stick with me here. Later in Revelation, we get this picture where where he says, uh, I heard a voice that says, behold, behold, the dwelling place, the house, the dwelling place of God will be with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And, and get this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Friends, this is really good news. Death will be no more. Neither will, be th- will there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. See, God is making a home. He's making, a, he's making a country. He's making a, a homeland for us, and he will restore it, and he will give it back to us. And listen, we know deep down in our guts that whatever good things we have here just aren't quite, they're not quite enough, are they? Like, listen, I've got, I've got the best home. I eventually learned carpentry, and I did a bunch of work on my house, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the stuff I built, and I like to go in my house and be like, this is my house, and I love it. And my kids and my wife are amazing. I just get, get to go home, and I, it's just wonderful. And I'm, I don't know anybody that's got a better home than me. You might. Maybe you've got a great home. I also, before that, came from not such a great home. But I can tell you that either way, there's still been a sense, no matter how good it is, that there's, it's just not quite what, there's something more. This is not kind of satisfying that, 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 that part that is made to be satisfied in something more than just this world. C.S. Lewis put it this way in his book, Mere Christianity. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger? Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim? Well, there's such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy, that doesn't prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy, but only to arouse us. To suggest the real thing. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others do the same. 
press on to that other country and help others do the same. See, the mission of God is God's mission. God is making, he's restoring our country, our homeland. And he sends us and he empowers us and he promises that home. And then he invites us to participate with him, to, to bring many others along with us to that country that God has for us. We're called up into something into something big, into something that's so big that God himself is doing it. This is worth giving your life to. By the way, this is better than selling soda water or making Apple computers. The mission is God's mission. The second truth is that the mission is our mission. It's also ours, right? We get, we get to, we get to be, be part of this. There is work for us to do, and I want to give you two, two kind of hooks there. One is promote, and the, and the other is proclaim. Promote and proclaim. Pro- promote. Did you know that you can, did you know your life can actually make the gospel more beautiful? Does that feel wrong that I just said that? Any of you guys like, I don't know about that. Titus 2.10 says this. He's describing servants and households and how they interact and treat people. He says, listen, if you do this in everything, they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. In other words, adorn, this means to beautify, sort of like to, to bejewel. To use Taylor Swift, I, I just I've been listening to Taylor Swift. Okay, uh, to to beautify the doctrine of God, our Savior is that means the gospel, right? The truth, the true words in the Scriptures about God who saves us through Christ. We can make this the most beautiful message ever ever proclaimed can be made more beautiful by our lives, by our hospitality, by promoting it with our works. We get an opportunity to. Promote the gospel, even, even as you relate to one another, right? Jesus says, you'll, the world will know that you're my followers by how you love each other. Which means even how you relate to each other here in this community is part of participating with God, part of promoting the gospel. This is, how, this is why uh, Jesus consistently describes the community like a city on a hill or a light. Because a city on a hill is meant to, uh, well, what does it do, right? If you're a weary traveler, in the wilderness, in the dark, and you see the city on a hill, immediately from where you are, you begin to taste what it's like to be home. Uh, you begin to be kind of drawn in. You, you, you start going, well, I think that there's probably safety there. I think there's probably life there. I think I can, can find some food and some water, some sustenance, some satisfaction there. And the community of God has an opportunity to promote the gospel, to participate with God by being that place, by embodying that kind of community where life is found. One way, there's a lot of ways to do this. One way I want to encourage you is to pray for the mission of God. Uh, You've got staff overseas right now, right? I don't know how much you know about where they are, but you should be praying for them. This community can become a community that prays for the mission of God. I wonder if you've heard of Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf. No? It's a fantastic name, though, isn't it? Zinzendorf had a great name. He's got one of the most incredible quotes you've ever, you'll, you'll ever hear, uh, something that's affected me deeply. He says, uh, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. This is his life's aim. He didn't accomplish it because of his name. It's just too memorable. 
But that was his aim. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. It's not about remembering me. It's about proclaiming Christ. And he, and he was super wealthy. And in the 1720s, he bought like, you know, a quarter of Germany. He bought like all of East Germany. And he made this big estate there where, uh, where people who were being religiously um, persecuted could come and find respite. And so it ended up being all these people from the Czech Republic. Well, back then it was Moravia who came, and they became this movement called the Moravians. And they were this little community. They, they called themselves the Herrenhut, which means the Lord's Watch. And this community had their own little kind of revival happen, and, and they experienced the Holy Spirit, and, and they, they were convicted that we've got to pray for the gospel to go to the whole world. We've got to pray for the mission of God. And so this little community of persecuted Moravians from Czech, modern-day Czech Republic of just a couple hundred people, they prayed, they prayed. And so here's what they did. On August 13, 1727, they began praying for the gospel to go out to the whole world and for the salvation of all people groups. And they, they prayed for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for over 100 years. Now, not the same people, but, you know, the next generation and the next generation kept praying. 100 years straight, they're praying for the, for, for the mission of God and all the world. Which means, do you know God answers prayers? You know, he, he delights to answer prayers. You know, he, he, he loves answering our prayers, especially when our prayers are in alignment with his work to, to redeem his, his fallen creation and to restore the creation, to redeem his people and restore creation. And so a hundred years, the whole, the whole first hundred years of all Protestant missionaries, in, in, in God's sight, he's answering this little group's prayer to send these people out all over the world. So we can join with God through praying. This, this is part of how we promote the mission. And finally, we join with God through proclaiming the gospel, through proclaiming as witnesses who are sent with his message. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And he doesn't mean professional missionary. He doesn't mean that you have to go in. He's saying, listen, if you, if you are a Christian, you are now an ambassador. You now are a witness. And that's how you can be part of the mission of God. You know, one of my heroes of, of the faith is Bill Bright. Bill Bright founded Campus Crusade crew. Uh, the, and Bill Bright said this, successful witnessing is taking the initiative to share Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Successful witnessing, taking the initiative to share Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. Now, I want you to focus on one word there, witnessing. It's kind of an old word, but it's a Bible word, and the word witness, is it, it really means that we, we testify to what we have seen and what we have heard and what we have tasted. This is how God accomplishes his mission, is normal people like us. It's really outrageous that he would use you. I remember when I was first on staff with crew at Radford, I was, uh, I didn't know what I was doing, and I was leading a small group. Well, it was more like an evangelistic Bible study in Muse Hall, the tallest 
dorm on campus, and I would go up to the top floor, and there was these guys that filled out surveys at the beginning of the year, because I don't know if you guys do this, but we just try to survey 100,000, every single person on campus. We wanted them to fill a survey out, and then we would pester them. And back then, you could just, I could just walk into the dorms, okay? So, so I would walk around this hall, and, and I, I just said, all right, well, we're going to do a Wednesday night, like, you know, Bible study. So I would go to these guys, and I'd knock on their doors, and I'd be like, hey, man, you filled out this survey. We're doing a Bible study, and they'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. And then I'd say, but we, but we have food. Like, all right, I'm listening. <laughs> I'd be like, what kind of food you got? I'd have to go back and bring the donuts and be like, I got donuts. I got donuts. There, there's more over there. And then the guys would just kind of be like, okay, uh, we'll check this thing out. And I remember the first time we got together, I went through this most, the most basic gospel presentation, and I, and I did this thing where it was, a, it was a small group, and it was really embarrassing because I, I, I finished the gospel presentation that I just kind of read straight from the, the track, the Knowing God Personally book. And um, I said, listen, um, I'm going to just have you guys, like, well, just if you raise your hand if you want to become a Christian tonight. And they didn't. And so I was like, okay, cool, cool, go ahead and leave. Please leave, don't look at me anymore. And they left, and, and then the next week I came back with more food and same, same deal, you know, like, do you guys want to do it again? We're going to go down there, and they follow me. And 12 weeks goes by, and, the, and on the final week I finally got enough courage to try the super lame gospel presentation, lame because it was me, and, uh, and I did the same thing. I, I was like, all right, why not? If you want to become a Christian tonight, would you just raise your hand? And all the guys raised their hands. And I was like, mm, no, if you, if you do want to become a Christian, I don't think you heard me. And they're like, yeah, no, of course we do. That's why, we're, that's why we're here. Here's the thing. Romans 1.16 tells us that, that the gospel itself is the power for salvation. In other words, it's not you or me that carries within us the power, so that only the sort of elite communicators can be used by God to proclaim his gospel. Actually, it's the gospel that accomplishes what it proclaims. It's the gospel that offers salvation and actually saves people, because it's the gospel that is powerful. And we get to participate with God by proclaiming it, by witnessing to it. To witness is just to talk about what we've seen, right? We, 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 you know, we just, we proclaim the excellencies of whatever it is that we see and love. We just do this. This is the way life is. Think about the last time you heard a really, really great album. Some people are doing some Taylor Swift stuff over there, you know, Midnight. Or, the, or like you ate something, I, you know, the last time you ate something that was so good, you had to tell somebody. Or you saw a movie or a show that you were like, I don't know, have you seen this thing? It's so amazing. You've got to watch this. This is what witnessing is. Witnessing is, is testifying to what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've tasted. We do this all the time. We do it all the time. So how can we do this about Jesus? There are so many ways that you could practice this. I will let you sort that out here as a community, right? There, it's contextual, but... There are some ways that you here at JMU can, can witness to Jesus. There are tools you can use. There are ways that you can do this. But, but one way that I want to encourage you or one, one sort of secret to, to witnessing, secret to participating with God in his mission is love. It's love. I'm going to finish with this. Because you are sent by God 
to participate with him. You are empowered by God. And God is making a home and will use you to promote the good news of the gospel by, by inviting people to get a taste of the home that God's preparing for them and then to proclaim his good news. He is calling you to, to participate with him in that. But none of that matters if you don't love Jesus. None of that matters if you don't have love. Because you will talk about what you love. You can't help it, right? When, when I was talking to those guys in the dorm, it was, I just loved, I wanted to tell them about my friend Jesus. Not because I thought this is, I'm really good at this, but because Jesus is worthy. Jesus is so good. Jesus is the best friend you could ever ask for. I don't know if you've ever been betrayed by a friend. Jesus has never betrayed anybody. He's never betrayed me. Jesus never leaves you when you're suffering. He never leaves you when you're suffering. Jesus doesn't turn away from you when, you're, when you mess up. Jesus is, is ready to forgive you. Jesus is never embarrassed by you. Do you know Jesus doesn't have bad days? You don't, have to, you don't have to ever have to worry if maybe you caught Jesus on a bad day. Jesus is smarter than anyone you've ever met. He's wiser than anyone who's ever walked the earth. He's stronger. He can lift, he can lift cars. He just lift them up, right? He can move mountains. And he really loves to just like hold babies and comfort people when they're crying by putting a hand on their shoulder. Jesus is the kindest and gentlest friend you could ever ask for. Spend time with him. Give him your attention. Give him your love. And your enjoyment of him will not be complete or full until you, you witness. Until you, until you invite other people to know the, the enjoyment that you have with him, right? This is, this is how love and enjoyment works. It is incomplete until you can bring somebody else in. This is what his best friend John understood in his letter, 1 John, when he says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing you these things so that your joy may be complete. So complete your joy by, by witnessing, by proclaiming his goodness. Be sent by him. This is better than selling sugar water. It's better than anything you could give your life to. Be sent by him. Don't let tonight go without without giving your life to him and his mission now i want to pray over you as the as the music team comes up here i, I just i would like, like to pray over you and i'd love for you to be considering tonight what it might look like to go to um winter conference to go into your evening and your weekend praying for the mission of god praying for people you know that are serving him and what it might look like to pray for your neighbors and and to begin to to spend enough time with Jesus that you can, you can just talk about him because you love him so much. So let me pray for you.
Father in heaven, I pray that you would you would bless this community with a deep affection for your son Jesus. Pray, Lord, that you would lift up your face to shine upon them. I even think, Lord, of when you created Adam and Eve, you blessed them. And when Jesus, risen from the dead, met his friends, he blessed them. He said, peace, my peace be with you. So I do pray, Lord, that you would bless this community with your peace, with your presence, and that you would raise their affections for you and draw them into your mission. Pray that every student who's here would be sent by you and would go loving you deeply. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your wisdom and for encouraging all of us to go out and proclaim, proclaim the gospel because the truth is none of us would be here if there wasn't someone that took that initiative for us. So it's important that we also do that for others. So I ask that you please stand and worship with us. shines for all to
Y'all can have a seat. Thank you, band. Thank you, band. And now I'm going to introduce our two community team leaders, Ryan and Deanna. So can I have them come up and give a quick announcement? Actually, first it's just going to be me. I'm announcing our event for this week. Um, but yeah, as uh, Stu said, I'm one of two community team members. My name is Ryan. And I want to invite you all to this week's crew annual Friendsgiving. And I don't know about you guys, but Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because not only do I get to hang out with family, but I also get to eat as much food as I want until I pass out on the couch from a food coma. But this Friendsgiving, um, instead of hanging out with family, we're going to be eating together and hanging out as friends. So I'm excited to invite all of you and all of your friends. Anybody you know can come, and we will have Hopefully, tons of food for everyone. It'll be this Saturday at 5 p.m., and it'll be at the Youth Center of Westside Baptist, or as I've been uh, told that it's called UC, uh, which that doesn't make sense to me because it should be YC, but apparently it's called UC. Um, also, I couldn't really get an address to the building, but I did post a map with a dropped pin right on top of the building in the community group chat. So if you aren't in the group chat, ask someone next to you if you can get added to that, and then you got the location for the place. Um, there should be parking all around the building, and it should be plenty for all of us, but I would still recommend carpooling, you know, just, so, just in case if we do fill up all the spots. But lastly, uh, the food, like Thanksgiving, it's a collective effort, so it would be very appreciative if you guys could bring something to share. Plus, you could get a group of friends together and make something, because making food with friends is always a ton of fun. Uh, there is a Google Sheet in the group chat, it was posted yesterday, and it, you can sign up on there. There's a ton of food listed. You can sign up for one of those, or you can put your own food down. Just put your name next to it, and, yeah, just so we know what's coming. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to see you all there, and that's it from me. Now I am introducing – sorry about that. Now I'm introducing my co-leader, Deanna, and Caleb about something we have a surprise for the end of the semester. Yeah, my name's Caleb. <laughs> and Caleb is up here with me because he is assisting community team in a top secret, super special event that we're going to tell you about right now. And the secret is we're having a winter formal this year. Ah, that's right. For the first time ever, I'm, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> uh, we are having a winter formal. It is Sunday, December 11th at 5 p.m. So mark your calendars. Save the date. It's going to be really fun. You're going to want to be there. It is like finals week, but it's also a great excuse to take a break from your studying and come hang out with your friends. It's the last time we're all going to be together before winter break, so you should definitely come out for it. And it's going to be at the Old Massanum Lodge, which is about 15 minutes away, um, and it's going to be pretty nice. Pretty so nice. So here are some photos. Um, this is the main room that we're going to be in. It's not going to look like this, obviously, but it is going to be decorated for Christmas when we're there, which is only going to make it better. And I think I think that's all of them. Yeah. You can, there's going to be, like, fire pits outside. The place is really nice. Um, and, yeah, and tickets are going to go on sale next week, next Thursday at Large Group. We're going to be doing a fun 
game type thing. And uh, yeah, so just be on the <laughs> be on the lookout for that. Tickets are going on sale next week, and you'll definitely be hearing more information from us. So hope to see you there. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Ho ho. <laughs> thank you guys thank you guys yeah come out to that all right now just time for some final reminders so first off tomorrow 3 30 just like jesse was telling us about earlier we need to go out and proclaim our faith and so tomorrow at 3 30 we have an opportunity to learn how to do it um so we all go to f- uh we're doing a festival And so we're going to go there, and we're going to get in groups of like two or three, and then we'll go out and uh, tell people about Jesus, Um, something that we're called to do, um, be ambassadors for Christ. So, yes, if you haven't done it before, just come and watch. It's a great opportunity to learn how other people do it, and it's a great step of faith. Um, Yeah, get out of your comfort zone because I know it's easy to stay there. All right, and then also coffee and donuts, spelled D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T-S. Apparently there was an argument about that. Um, but anyway, women only. Men, you're invited, but you do not show up. I repeat, you are invited, but do not show up. Uh, Aubrey Pierce's house, there will be an address later. Time for women to hang out and have coffee and donuts. There will also be a stationary. That's not spelled right. Uh, you, a station that you can use to encourage and thank someone in your life. Oh, the stationary like something you ride on. I forgot that that was a thing. All right. <laughs> November 12th at 10 to 11.30 a.m. Yeah, not 50. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Then also, November 10th, November 16th, 10th? I don't know. Anyway, next Tuesday, whatever that is, 16th. This t- 10th. Next Wednesday. I am really – Brad, you need to get better handwriting. I'm sorry. <laughs> November 16th at 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be uh, the story of C.S. Lewis, um, and so it'll be a chance to bring some people. Um, the gospel is probably going to be presented in that film with C.S. Lewis. So bring some people who don't never heard of the gospel before. Um, also, Friendsgiving, remember, 5 p.m., UC building. Yeah, that's all I have. So we're going to JMU crew it out, and then we'll get out of here. So JMU crew it out. So we go J-M-U crew. Yeah, so I need my J's over here. You have to be as loud as you can because you're the smallest group. So left hand up. Left. Yep. Nope. Yeah, left hand up. That's a J. Then M's and then my U's. And then we're going to say crew at the end of it. So, all right. Three, two, one. J, M, U, crew. All right, go to cookout. A lot of friendship will be there. See you later.